0: I was in Boy Scouts growing up and we were out camping and we had to put our packs up in the trees. And so I was asking my scoutmaster, I'm like, hold up, why are we putting our packs in the tree? And he said, well, cause there's bears. And I said, well, what if I see a bear? What am I supposed to do? And he said, well, if you run into a bear in the woods, you do not have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friend. And it's kind of, you know, what does that have to do with books? Well, you know, I always tell people is you don't have to know everything. You just have to know a little bit more than the person that you're teaching.
1: This is James Shramko. James Shramko, here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 1005. Today we're chatting with Chandler Bolt. And I'm amazed you're actually here in person, Chandler. Uh, It's so good to see you
0: again. So good to see you too, man. So fun fact. I don't know if I ever told you this. Your podcast was one of, if not the first podcasts that I'd ever been on or in the early days. And then you were one of, if not the first people to ever believe in and promote what we're doing with self-publishing school and now, now self-publishing.com. So I will be forever indebted to you and you will always be part of my story, man. So I'm, I'm glad to be back.
1: Oh, that, that's good. And, and so to you're part of my story. I remember meeting you on a traffic and conversions boat cruise, you know, this young kid teaching productivity, which I always think is It's a little bit funny, right? Because you know, I I had four kids by that time. I have five now, and I think they do change the game in life. But in any case, I'm like this guy. He's got something. There's something about this guy. I invited you onto the podcast. Episode two hundred and seventy-six is the first one you appeared on. That was published in February the tenth, two thousand and fourteen. That was actually more than nine years ago. In that time. You came on board Silver Circle for a while, which was the best. I remember you had a few situations, we'll call it, crop up. We navigated around those. Of course, after that, you've gone on and gone very specific in this uh, book publishing world. I love to see the journey. And I just saw on a recent social media post, so I'm sure you don't mind me sharing, that you've now got consistent million dollar month milestones, which is just a, a huge accolade. And it's pretty much every entrepreneur's goal until they have a different goal is that magical $10 million a year. You're, you're an eight figure business. It must feel fantastic.
0: Yeah. It's been a long journey. I mean, so we hit eight figures for the first time last year. We just barely squeaked it out at the end of the year. And we've had millionaires million before, but uh, total first world problem But we were just trying to break, it was that, it was that kind of four minute mile for us of how do we have a million dollar months without a big promotion, without a big event, without it's, it's really a lot of what you teach, man. It's just that evergreen promotion. And so how do you do that? And so I felt like kind of a broken record with the team for gosh, probably two years now we'd be at 900, all right, 950, 750, 800, 825. We're just like all in that range for a long time. And we finally broke through. And, and so I'm hoping it'll be the, the four-minute mile effect for us of, okay, now this is the standard.
1: I think it will be. It's, it's like a bigger version of what I have. I always, when I quit my job, I insisted to myself, I must make six figures a month. And I want it to be profit. And I've never looked back. And there is different size businesses you can choose. I have a smaller business than yours, which is not uncommon, actually, with a lot of the people I'm helping have a bigger business, but they have different goals. It was obviously important to you to have this business grow because I suspect because of what it enables you to do for your audience and because there's some leverage in there. Now let's just sort of rein this in like someone will be listening to this saying, oh, I don't know who this Chandler Bold is. <laughs> you got to know this guy Chandler Bold. He's fascinating. He was on episode 276, 310, 349 and 443. But Chandler is an investor and he's the CEO of selfpublishing.com. Right? You've been racking up some awards here. Like Forbes 30 Under 30 Under author of seven best-selling books. It's like almost like you're qualified to help people with this topic. Your recent book published, selfpublishing.com is an Inc. 5000 company. Last four years in a row, you're in the 5,000 fastest-growing private companies in the US. You're the host of Seven Figure Principles podcast and the Self-Publishing School podcast. And through your books, podcasts, YouTube channels, and selfpublishing.com, You've been helping thousands of people write books and grow their income and have more impact in their business or if they don't have a business, I imagine they're having impact in some other way. So you're in the book business. Clearly, I know you like my library there. You definitely... It would be tax deductible for you to have a full cabinetry situation going on if you're, if you're living in a, in a semi-permanent situation. Now, I remember way back, you were in a share house at some point uh-huh. in Carlsbad. We had dinner one night, a fa- really fantastic dinner when I went over there for a little surf trip and a catch up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I started an entrepreneur house in San Diego back in the day. And it was kind of the whole Jim wrong quote, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so I said, how can I get in a house with a bunch of people who have bigger businesses or who are kind of look at the wheel of life and said, all right, this guy's really healthy and active. Let me get him in the house. This guy's got a really big business. Let me get him in the house. This, so this is basically the areas of life that I wanted to grow. I, I started that house and recruited cool people into it. And it's, it actually still exists to this day. There's a new cohort of people and it's, you know, it's been, uh, I guess, a, a decade or so since it started. But still exist and but no, now I'm in a a lot more permanent location. And so we'll we'll invest in that library and that office upgrade coming soon. What have been some of the challenges for you since we last spoke,
1: you know, in this in the growth? Obviously there's sometimes it's like climbing a a snowfield, like you could take a few steps, a little bit of a slide or a tumble here or there. What have been the most obvious ones for you?
0: Yeah. A lot of the obvious ones are leadership in scaling a business. I mean, I think You know, I don't remember exactly where I was last time we had the conversation, I guess over 500 episodes ago, and it's been years. (laughs) And so, you know, I think for me, because of people like you and and other people who kind of got behind us and brought us early on, we didn't have a lot of the early challenges revenue-wise that a lot of people have, which is like, all right, how do you hit the seven-figure mark and all that stuff? We hit that pretty quickly, but then we've kind of just been slow and steady since then. And so I think it's been a, you know... Early on, I, I had to buy my business partner and he was trying to kick me out of the business. So that was a big challenge and, you know, multiple 60 years in debt and borrowed out of my parents' retirement and all this stuff to buy my business partner. So I, that was a big early hurdle. But then it's kind of been, you know, growing and scaling since then. So realizing that, you know, it's ex- Red Extreme Ownership and realize, okay, if there's a growth problem, it's a mead problem. And, you know, my coach for a while, Michael Hyatt, so he had this question he'd always ask me. Which I thought was really, really funny, but very poignant. Which he said, What about your leadership led to this result? (laughs) So, if you don't like if you don't like something that's happened in in your business, what about your leadership led to this result? And so, I think a lot of just scaling and growth and leadership challenges of, okay, how do we go from seven figures to eight figures and um, just grow and scale in the process? So, it's forced me to learn a lot of the stuff that you teach. Again and again, it's like in the early days you were coaching me up on that and saying, "All right." Like one of the, I remember one of the big things I learned early on from you that's just carried with me since then. As you said, I never do work once. Like if I do something, it's going to be repurposed. It's going to continue. It's I want to create evergreen assets in my business, leverage. not just one-off promotions or one-off things. Yeah, leverage right. And so that was one of the big things that I think you taught me early on that really helped us kind of take off. But then now it's, all right, you almost break down and relearn that at different scales of the business.
1: I think we do relearn the lessons over and over again. And the earlier we, we get the lesson, in your case, you got the lessons early. I, I was actually thinking about this before this call. My morning ponderings was you've come along at a good, you've been a good generation because while I was your age, I was sort of doing the whole car dealership thing. There wasn't really the internet leverage but you've just, you got in there early and you've just gone for it and you've achieved a lot of success. But I think for you, success is still like how many authors you've had being able to write and publish a book.
0: Am I right? Yeah. Is that how you measure success is about impact? That's one of the big ones. So you talked about leverage. I mean, we use this phrase leveraged impact and we, you know, we create leverage impact through books. You know, our authors do a lot of hard work to create a book. That book then goes on to impact thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even millions of people if they do really well, right? But it's how do you go from one to one to one to many? So a lot of the principles that you teach Mm. put in book form. So how do you take the conversations that you're having on a one-on-one basis and put that into a book? so that you can bring leverage to your time and leverage to the impact that you're trying to make. And so we've published over 7,000 books in the last eight years. So since um, since the first time I was on the podcast, <laughs> we've published 7,000 books at a minimum that we can count and track because we're not a publisher. We help facilitate publishing. So our authors keep their rights, keep their royalties, like all those benefits. And so- So they're self-published. Exactly. And you're the, the book writing coach. Exactly. Exactly. So- we kind of, and this is what a lot of what we've done with self publishing.com is take the best elements of traditional publishing and the best elements of self-publishing and kind of combine them mm-hmm. for the good of the author. So they, they get a traditionally published quality book, but that's self-published where they get to keep the rights and royalties. So our big goal is 100,000 books published by 2035. We've published, you know, at least 7,000 so far. And so we have a lot of progress, but obviously a very long way to go. And so that's, that's what we're working towards.
1: I've got to ask this question. How are things changing in the landscape now that we've sort of, I don't know, in the last decade, I've definitely noticed there's no shortage of information anymore. It's easy to get information. We have robots now that can auto-generate anything we want. I imagine it could potentially be a tool for authors, but it could also, you know, is it a threat? Am I crazy continuing on writing books? I've got a couple of books that I'm working on at the moment. Is it a dead duck or is it still going to have a demand?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So I think there's two big components to that question. I mean, one, I think, yes, there's a lot of information has been commoditized. And then also in our space, I mean, we've got a lot of headwinds where, you know, everyone who's ever written and published a book thinks they can teach people how to write and publish books, <laughs> right? And so there's, there's just like kind of a lot of not really big competition, but kind of disparate small competitors that kind of chew up a lot of the business in the space. And so that's definitely been some headwinds. There. Well, it's
1: often the good marketers. Yes. The good marketers are getting the customers, yes. but they might not have great product.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so I think there's definitely that, but then I think on the AI and computer generating and all that stuff, I mean, you know, I think it'll both facilitate and help authors. Like we're using it currently to write better book descriptions, to come mm-hmm. up with book titles, subtitles, To come up with keywords for ads, to come up like a bunch of that kind of stuff. There's even some really good um, AI editing software and tools. So it's going to actually, for people who know how to use it, it's going to lead to better books, cheaper, and and all that stuff. But I think even amongst that, people value and crave authenticity, and so that that is the part that can't be created by AI. It's it's a human to human connection and and, and interweaving those stories, those personal experience, and being able to relate. Now you might get close to it at certain points with AI, but that's where I think that it's still here to stay. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm a minority owner in a pretty big AI company too. So either way, it's going to be good for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think but so. I, I really do believe that that books, you know, will continue mean to be, people have been saying that books are dead for decades. Yeah, It's course. like, oh, the Kindle came out. Oh my gosh, books are <laughs> dead. No one's going to buy books anymore. It's like, you are know, buying books, read books.
1: I still like a good book. I've been re- reading actual books. I get the physical book. I read it in a quiet space. Zero interruptions or dings or bings or pings, et cetera. Yes. I definitely been using AI too to help with things like, okay, here's the chapter. Have I missed any critical elements with this topic or give me a page of um, contents for the, you know, what would be the outline for the book? Those sort of things are good. I did see a, an influencer created a, it was must have been less than a minute post. It was like a reel showing you how you can create your own book in a couple of days like you know and those things I think are that's what internet marketers tend to do they tend to just go and ruin everything right (laughs) I imagine if there's a flood of crappy quickly auto-generated books then the really good books are still going to stand out I mean there's a lot of books available for sale but some of them uh, they cut through right in our market there's lots of revered classics like influence etc like we all know the, the classic books that get referenced all the time, they have something special about them. So I, mean, I did have to ask that because I, people will be asking that question. What does it look like writing a book now in this era with the assistance of some tools and some good support? Can you talk about how do you actually go about the process? Has it changed for you from the way you were doing it in the last year or two?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's changed some for sure. Now, the writing, the core elements of good writing, I mean, a lot of those things are timeless and you can find ways to do it better, but there's kind of those core elements and frameworks that are the same. Now, I'd say the piece that's probably crystallized since you and I have chatted last is just the framework. And this is something I respect about you and like a a lot of other people in this space who just really get at creating frameworks. Um, I've always sucked at that. So one framework I've created, and and I know people won't be able to see this um, if if you're listening to the podcast, but it's kind of, there's eight milestones to go from blank page to published. Mm -hmm. And the first four is called the more writing method. And so the more writing method, this is the core fundamentals of what we walk people through is mind map, outline, rough draft, editing. And so the mind mapping and the outlining. So you know, right now, everything that you can think of on this topic. Then grouping those ideas into groups or themes or sections. That is kind of the start of the process for a lot of people. Then you write the rough draft, one chapter at a time, using kind of that mind map outline write or mind map outline speak. If you speak better than you write, kind of that process. But that's actually we're connecting the dots to what we were just talking about. I think AI can be really helpful is and saying, all right, hey, I've, I've got these kind of combination of ideas and it can help with content generation as well. But that's the overarching process that we teach is my map, outline, rough draft, editing. So the more writing method. And that, that helps people write better books faster.
1: I think it's essential, like having those guidelines. It's like being at the 10 pin alley and having bumper rails in place, you know, like you're going to knock some pins down if you go down that way not that way or the other way. (laughs) Yeah, frameworks are just so important once you get a framework. I remember learning a sales framework that I've pretty much used since, uh, I guess, like 1992. That's been like an underpinning of my whole trajectory to date. So when you get a good framework and a simple framework, it's really good. What are the other four bits?
0: Yeah, so the other four, um, so there's a couple types of editing. And so I, I kind of simplified that in the E of editing, but there's self-editing and then there's professional editing. And then you go into formatting, cover design and launch. And so those are kind of the, fo- so there's kind of that, all right, getting your book ready to publish and then marketing and launching the book. So my map, outline, rough draft, self-editing, professional editing, a formatting, cover design and then launch.
1: Love it. It sounds pretty simple. So there are services who charge like many tens of thousands for this. How are you teaching it? Are you putting people through in a group or are they self-paced?
0: Yeah, great question. So it's kind of a little bit of the both. So we're a combination of, and this is some of the changes that have happened too since you and I talked last, but we're a combination of coaching and education, but then also we've rolled out a services arm. So basically our goal is to save people hundreds of hours in the process, thousands of dollars in the process. And to help them write a better book that sells more copies. Mm -hmm. Now, we do that by coaching them through the process. And we got templates and, you know, press a couple buttons, spits out a 25 page Google Doc that's pre formatted that you could write in. So now you're not staring at a blank page, like, you know, all types of things like that to help kind of grease the wheels of the process. And then when they get to kind of that, what we would call like the final mile of publishing. So, cover design, formatting, ISBN, upload, SEO, book description, like all the minutiae that usually people are hiring out and getting a bunch of different people to help with. We just do all that stuff for people so they can focus on writing a better book and then marketing that book. And we do some services and stuff to help with the marketing, but that's kind of in general how we help people and kind of the format is, you know, it's upfront fee, you keep all the royalties. You keep all the rights to the book, all that stuff. You can use it however you like.
1: Can people bring a book to you for the second part of that or do they
0: have to have the first yes. part? Yes, yeah, definitely. So I've got a manuscript that's not published. Or yeah. Some people will even say, hey, I put out this book and I didn't really do anything to market it. I just kind of put it out there. This book's on life's a full like We need to resuscitate this thing and, and actually get it selling. There'd be a few people in that boat. A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah lot, I mean, the average self-published book sells less than 100 copies. That's amazing. Right? Which yeah. is just a horrible stat. And so there's just a lot of people who just put it up there and say, ah, if I build it, they will come. And then they realize that if you build it, no. they will not come. <laughs> you have to tell them about it.
1: I gave away 5,000 copies of my book in the last few weeks, just, you know, and I'm running ads to let people have this thing for free. It's like, you can really juice it up yourself if you want. Uh, Of course, I'm interested in having a conversation with people after they get the book via email. Yes. There's lots of strategies. I'm glad to hear that I could bring a manuscript and then get all the really difficult bits that traditionally they're the hurdles. Like you can walk, you can even run, but when you start hitting the hurdles and the moats and the hedges, it's just like it gets really difficult, that last stretch. So I love this, that last mile metaphor. So if people want to do that, I imagine that they just reach out to selfpublishing.com and they say, hey, listen, I've got this thing. Can you help me get it into the market?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the best places to start. And actually, one thing we'll do for your crew as well. So speaking of, I love that you're doing that strategy is I'll give away a bunch of free physical copies of this book. Nice. Um so we created a link. All you have to do is go to publishedbook.com forward slash James. Wow. So published like I published a book dot com forward slash James and you can get an ebook copy or even a physical copy if you're in the US just let us know and, and we'll give you a, an ebook or audiobook. Or if you want a physical copy, we can ship you a physical copy as well.
1: That's cool. There's, there's um, I think, at least 65% of our listening audience are in, in that market. So that's great news. So, in terms of the publishing part, we've covered how that can be difficult, but it can be resolved. The writing part, it sounds very, that sounds like a dream, actually. I mean, I've always had help because I have the most massive amount of friction to writing the book. I think because I think it's out there. I know that it's an arrow that leaves the bow. And yeah, you can update the digital copy, but the physical copy is still out there and I wanted it to be a minimum level of good. And I think you sort of hit the nail on the head saying that you want people to publish good books, right? not rubbish books. Yes. Do you give them an opinion and say, hey, listen, I don't think this book's good to publish or, you, you know, or do you just let people do whatever they want?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, we're not a publisher, so we don't tell people what what they can and cannot publish. And that's been kind of a very clear line in the sand that we've drawn where we just say, hey, we help authors publish and we help them be successful. It doesn't matter if we agree with their views, if we disagree with their views, if we agree with what they're writing about. That's not our job. That's actually the stand that we're taking against that is we're going to facilitate it and your voice will be heard in a way that it might not be otherwise. Now, that being said, we're going to challenge you based on what we think will be best for the readers and for the book itself. And so, you know, this, it's, you have to gingerly do that. <laughs> and, and we kind of tear people up. Yeah.
1: It's like everyone's kids, the most beautiful, amazing kid on the planet. Like, they're sure, they've, they've got a lot of emotional investment in their book. Yes. And so they could be disappointed. There must be expectations that have to be held. Theoretically, let's say I'm listening to this episode, 1005. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've been meaning to do a book. And now I've got a platform, you know, I've got a simple way that I can learn out all the the mind mapping and the the layout and the drafting. And there's a service that can help me get over the line. What's a realistic time frame if I started today to publish a book? And I'm not talking about the outlier weirdos who will do it in a couple of days. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the laggards who will take years. What's a typical time frame for getting this book into the market?
0: Yeah, great question. We see typically, I mean, it's somewhere, somewhere between nine to 18 months, kind of on the average. Now, we've had people, like you said, the outliers who've published two books in 90 days. And so that's kind of like 90 days is our fastest pace so where we can take you from blank page to publish. Like this book published, my most recent book, the second edition, I went from picking up a pen to publishing that book in 105 days because I wanted to prove that it could be done. While running a uh, multiple seven-figure business and all you know 30, 40 employees, like running the business at the same time of doing it. so it definitely is possible. that's a really fast pace, though. And so for most people, it's in that six to 12 month range. It's kind of maybe creeping up to 18 months if they really want to take their time with it. But I mean, I and we are firm believers in uh, Perkins's Law, right? An object will swell in proportion to the container that you give it. And so you know, most traditionally published books take two years. Well, most of the writing happens in the last 60 days before you got to turn in the manuscript anyway. (laughs) It's the deadline, isn't it? (laughs) And so we try to harness that process and use deadlines and checkpoints throughout to keep people moving forward in the process.
1: Yeah, it's a really good idea. What sort of impact do people have? You talk about impact and I guess there's soft and hard measurements of that. One might be if it was on a bestseller list. Another one might be if someone has a An information business and it leads to prospects who could then buy back-end courses or products like what sort of applications have you seen people using a book for and kind of results they get
0: yeah great question so you know there's the three main metrics for us are income impact and business and so there's the income piece if you want mailbox money from your book you know royalties you're not going to get rich probably but hey A couple hundred bucks a month keeps coming in. You have this asset that brings in royalties, right? Or if you really want to make a go at it, you're publishing multiple books. You want to go full-time from your writing, right? There's the impact piece, which is long after I'm off this earth, this book's going to be here. It's for my kids. It's for my grandkids, you know, people in my life. This is going to outlive me. And then there's the business piece like you alluded to, which is how do I use the book to get more leads, sales, and referrals for my business, and so we work with people in those kind of three buckets to say, hey, how can we maximize the objective that you have? And I mean, we've created a lot of six and seven figure businesses or, you know, gosh, hundred plus million dollar real estate investing funds that have come off the back of a book with a thesis that says, hey, here's the type of real estate investing that we do. And then they use that book to raise funds, then go out and purchase real estate. But kind of all over the board to me personally, I mean, my book published the first edition of published, brought in millions of dollars in sales for the business. And that's why I did the second edition and probably similar to your book. Um, oh, yeah.
1: People buy it on Amazon and then they end up in my recurring coaching program. Exactly. If they resonate with my message, if uh, a lot of them actually implement some of the tips in it because it's highly actionable and then get a result and then reinvest the results into coming on board. So I like that the most, actually. That's uh, like yes. Dean Jackson talks about. Getting people a result in advance Yes. of them having to pay you. So I like having a book. That's what books do. It is a good question, though. Like, is anybody capable of doing a book if they have the right framework, or is it really just for some super special, creative, talented people?
0: Yeah, I think anyone's capable. You know, I used to believe pretty strongly that not everyone should do it, but then I had a friend challenge me on that. He said, Hey, Taylor, you think, you know, you think everyone should write a book? I said, Absolutely not. <laughs> 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 some people should definitely not write a book. And he said, well, what do you ever wish that you had the book of your grandpa, your grandma? Because, you know, my grandpa died when I was one and I never got to meet him. People always talked about it. And I'm like, yeah. And so I think everyone should do it. In my opinion, it should be a rite of passage where you retire. And then everyone's like kind of having this crisis of what do I do? And I think you should take a year or two in your 60s or 70s. You should write that book and then that's your, part of your legacy for your kids and grandkids, and it's just a, it's a cathartic kind of thing to do. But then to answer the question, can anyone do it? The thing that really helped me and helps a lot of our authors is, you know, I'm in, I was in Boy Scouts growing up, and we were out camping, and we had to put our packs up in the trees. And so I was asking my scoutmaster, I'm like, hold up, why are we putting our packs in the tree? And he said, well, because there's bears and I said, well, what if I see a bear? What am I supposed to do? And he said, well, if you run into a bear in the woods, you do not have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of, you know, what does that have to do with books? Well, you know, I always tell people is you don't have to know everything. You, have, you just have to know a little bit more than the person that you're teaching. And so that's where I think a lot of people, you know, they might not relate to the Oprah's of the world or the Tony Robbins or whoever, but they relate to you and you might be the only book that they ever read or the only book that they read that year. Because they might say, man, James, surfing all the time, living an awesome life. I like this. I want that. Okay. I don't really read books, but I'm going to read James, right? Which by the way, 820." Reviews on the book. Congrats! That's awesome. You're knocking on the door of a thousand.
1: Oh, thanks! And you know, to your point, I want to show you something. I've never showed this. I think on the podcast it was not planned. I've got here. Uh, Let's just hold up to the camera here. This is uh, the 1919 diary of Thomas Hammond Martin, trip to USA and England, and it's a uh, pictures and words. That's cool. It's my great grandfather's diaries. I have this one here, the 1916. Diary of Thomas Hammond Martin, Trip to Russia and Siberia. It's a thick book full of pictures and words. That's cool. Diary of Trip to the Gold Coast Colony, West Africa, 1906. Wow. And the 1881 Diary of Thomas Hammond Martin, Voyage to Australia and New Zealand. It's his full diaries. Oh, wow. Republished by my family. Wow. And it's a, he was pretty much doing what I used to do. He used to travel and journal. It's like, it was pretty much like geo-arbitrage. He'd go to Russia and buy land and sell it to Americans. And uh, it's all there, documented. I've got the whole. That's cool. Two. So That's I, I'm cool. actually, I, I support what you're saying there. And my father is now doing his book and he's in his 80s. So I think for him, those tools will help him actually get it out, like get a table of contents. But, sure one. but I think you've got the nice, a nice system there. You know, I've got a foot in each of your three buckets, actually. I do like the royalties that come in. That is, uh, it's not to be underestimated. To have money just come in, I do think that's potentially the most passive income I make. Uh When Audible sends me my money or Amazon sends me my money, it's like, you know, I did that six years ago and I'm still getting paid and I'll still get paid for a long time. Uh I I suspect my book will float around for a while. And I did dedicate my book to my kids because I, I wanted a book that I'd be proud of. And then the third part, of course, it's massive, a massive business tool. a so it's a heavy business card, right? I send out a book to everyone who joins my membership. Yes. I give my book away on my website, the PDF version. I upsell the physical copy and the audio copy. I actually lose money or break even on the physical copy. I think it's $9.99 shipped anywhere. The hell, is- Because I want it in the hands of someone who's considering me to help them in their journey. So I think it's critical... Every single person I'm coaching, I, I say to them, you should have a book. Yeah. The question they always ask is, well, how, how, where, why? That's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm saying, here, oh, I, by the way, I send them to your book published. I'm like, just go and get anything by Chandler Bolt, but especially published. And I'm going to put a link up on my site too, jamesramco.com forward slash Bolt. And we'll link off to whatever the latest training you have is so that people can sort of get a feel for the, the system, understand how it works and find out more about it. Uh, but it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Like, honestly, I've felt like at some point we'll get to a situation where you'll be just too many layers away to be able to come on the show personally. I dealt with a couple of your team members on the way through to, to making this happen. And I I want to say I appreciate it because I know you, your average hour is worth a lot of money. You got a lot of projects on. You're doing great stuff for people who want to have a book. So it is a treat when we can get a superhero back on it, even though I was a part of that journey at some point, I love to see people succeed no matter what happens after that. I want you to you know, continue to reach all your goals, Chandler. And, and I knew there was a spark in you. I'm never, ever surprised when something amazing happens in your life because you've generated this. Your extreme responsibility seems to be working.
0: I appreciate that, man. I really appreciate it. Now, I, like I said at the top, I will forever appreciate you know, just your support. And I think you're always cheering me on. And then when I'm posting stuff, you're like, hey, man, I'm not surprised. I'm rooting you on. And, and then way back to just working together, I mean, and, and you being the, one of the first people to promote us. And so I think it just goes to show the ethos of a lot of what you talk about and teach us. Hey, surround yourself with great people, support them, give them the tools. And I'm a byproduct of that, of, of implementing, just teach.
1: And also you got to choose good supply. Like I'm always thinking 10 years. Would I be proud of this recommendation? Is it helping people? Is it good for people? And I'm trying to pick the suppliers because you said it before. There's plenty of people who like they'll publish one book and then next thing you know, they're an expert and then they'll be great marketers. There are people in my industry who are fantastic marketers, but maybe not great coaches, I'm not sure. But I've been, you know, I've picked up a few messes from people who have been ruined by malpractice. So I think if you're a good guy or good girl and you're in the market, doing the right thing, you will have that longevity. That's why we can look back at our episode we recorded nine years ago. Let's hope we can record an episode in nine years from now, Chandler. What an, yeah. what an amazing time to be alive. What a great thing you're doing. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing these writing tips. You know what I'm taking away from this because I have two books that I'm stalling in my mind. I need to go and get that framework because I, I need to mind map it and draft it out and then do it. I think I've been coming at it more of a bits and pieces way and it's mm-hmm. definitely not working for me. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes when you even hire people to help you, you can get caught up in their methodology and that may not be the most suitable mm-hmm. thing for you as well. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm ready to be the master of my own writing ship now. Yeah. And you've got the product to do that. So thank you. Thank you, James. All right, cheers. We'll put this up in episode 1005 at jamesramco.com. full transcription and a link off to jamesramco.com forward slash bolt for uh, Chandler's latest training. And Chandler mentioned publishedbook.com forward slash James for a copy of his book published. This is James Schranko.